What do you do with the mad you feel? How do you experience joy? When you're feeling sad or scared, how do you handle it? Hey y'all, it's Sarah. Today on Kids These Days, we are talking about feelings. Yes, feelings, emotions, touchy-feely, ooey-gooey, stepped in it and have to feel it feelings. We are going to unpack some big stuff today, so please take care of you as you listen. But before we start, I want to introduce my new production partner, Rudy Benavides. Rudy works with our partner organization, Casito, as a training and technical assistance specialist. Right now, she is killing it behind the scenes, doing research, editing, social media, and the amazing infographics that you'll find in the show notes. But keep your ears open to hear her voice on future episodes down the road. do you do with the mad you feel? How do you experience joy? When you're feeling sad or scared, how do you handle it? More importantly, how did you figure out the answers to those questions? Have you figured out the answers to those questions? Maybe you're asking yourself, well, shoot, if I don't know, how the heck am I supposed to teach the kids how to know? Going forward, here's what we're going to focus on understanding and practicing. Team, teach, embrace, acknowledge, and model. We're going to talk a whole bunch about that, and you're going to hear me say it a bajillion million times. Team, teach, embrace, acknowledge, and model. We are going to jump in to the really heavy stuff at the very beginning. No one can make you feel anything. Someone may do something that is hateful or hurtful or helpful, but we choose how we feel about it, and the actions we take as a result. Did you catch that really sucky part in the last sentence? The we choose part? So that means that, like, I'm the only one responsible for acting like a jerk during that Zoom meeting. And I'm the only one who's responsible for feeling annoyed when my dear sweet husband doesn't put things back where he found them, and then asks me where they are the next time he needs to use them. And I do not need reassurance from anyone else that the insane happiness and pride I felt when I finished that christening dress was deserved and completely legit. I felt those things. Therefore, I have to own them. I want you to think about all the messages you hear in society today. The news, TV, radio, any kind of social media. It maybe feels like the main message out there is that someone else is always to blame. It doesn't make it very easy to take responsibility for your own actions and thoughts and feelings, does it? And I don't know when and where you're listening to this, but I think it's safe to assume that you are or have experienced some effects of the global pandemic. Right now, feeling in control of anything feels impossible, let alone your feelings and emotions. I get it. People are hungry and sick and dying. Who cares about emotions? Well, How about you and me? Let's make a deal. A deal to embrace and acknowledge all the feelings we are feeling right now, no matter how ugly or sad or scary or uncertain they are. And then we're going to teach and model for the kids in our lives how to do the exact same thing. But hear me, this is not a Monday morning skill. And what do I mean by that? A Monday morning skill 
is something that I teach it to you on Friday, you think about it for the weekend, you go in on Monday and bam, you got this. Emotions and feelings and accepting our responsibility in that, that's not a Monday morning skill. Those examples I gave up there about being a jerk in the Zoom meeting and being annoyed with my husband, those happened this week. I'm still working on this. This takes practice. Okay, so this is not a Monday morning skill. You will make mistakes, but mistakes are how we learn. I want to give you an example first. Sarah hits Ben. Ben starts to cry and then screams at Sarah, stop it. And you say, Sarah, why did you hit him? Now he's crying. You made him sad. So remember the brainstem, that fight, flight, or freeze, and the limbic system, you know, emotions home where like a hit you stupid poopy face lives, are responsible for the majority of action taking in children, not their decision maker, prefrontal cortex. And we are feeling creatures that think. Kids really don't know why they are feeling what they're feeling. Some adults either. Just that they are feeling it with their whole body right now. And without awareness and practice, we feel and then we act. Instead of thinking and then acting. And remember in previous episodes, we talked about that idea of confirmation bias. That how your brain seeks out and favors information that confirms what you already believe and what you want to justify going forward. Here's the thing, y'all. As the adult in the room with those children, you must check all of those biases at the door. They will keep you from observing to gather information and reflecting to find meaning about children's emotions and feelings. You might be thinking... Okay, crying equals sad. Ben is crying. Ben is sad. But let me ask you this. Do you ever cry when you're angry? You might also be thinking, like, I wouldn't cry just because someone hit me. Why is he crying? It doesn't matter. He's crying. Let's figure it out. So then another point is one we pull from not making children apologize. And the big tie here being that I can't make you understand and be accountable for an emotion or a feeling that you don't yet have the cognitive ability to understand. When we don't consistently practice that team, teach, embrace, acknowledge, and model with children's emotions and feelings, we create confusion and distrust about emotions and feelings in general. Remember, empathy is a learned social skill that takes awareness and practice. Emotions and actions must be correctly and consistently labeled and explained by the adults in children's lives. I kind of feel like kids are sitting there thinking, okay, you told me what sad feels and looks like. I don't feel those things right now. I feel the things you said angry is, but you're telling me I'm sad. And I get it. Toddlers, I mean, no, that's probably not their intricate thought process, but hey, who knows? Have you met toddlers? But I think that's the other pieces. That's where that confusion comes from. When we don't consistently practice that teach, embrace, acknowledge model with children's emotions and feelings, we're also not helping them to build connections between what they feel and what to call it. Right? And this one is tricky. Because I can't tell you what any emotion feels like in your body 
but I can describe what it feels like in my body. And I can describe what I see on your body, what your body is doing on the outside. And then further, when we don't do that teach, embrace, acknowledge model with children's emotions and feelings, we aren't helping them to build a connection between actions and consequences, which are a result of the action, or how to eventually learn to take responsibility for those actions and consequences. So consider Sarah and the connection between the action of hitting and the consequence that now Ben is crying and screaming. If I tell Sarah that she has made Ben sad, she is now responsible for Ben screaming and crying. And if I consider Ben and the connection between the action of being hit and the resulting consequence of him crying and screaming, and I've told Sarah that she has made Ben sad, now Ben has no skin in the game, no responsibility for his own actions. And this truly hinders his ability to learn how to take responsibility for his own actions in the future. And then one of the last pieces that I want to talk about, which if you stick with us through episodes down the road, you will hear this from me a lot because it is so important. And it's that idea of every behavior is a request for something. And remember to halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, to help you look for the reason behind the behavior. Because guess what? There is always a reason behind a feeling and a behavior. Always. It doesn't have to make sense to you. And as a matter of fact, it probably won't. And that's okay. No child needs your permission to feel anything. And I'll go a step further and say no other adult in your life needs your permission to feel anything. And the last part about this, every behavior is a request for something, is to check your confirmation bias at the door. Because what you didn't see was Ben took the toy Sarah was playing with right before she hit him. No, it is not okay to hit and push and scream because someone took your toy. But now you have more information that you can reflect on for meaning. This idea of team. Teach, embrace, acknowledge, and model. Let's dig into that around this idea of recognizing, naming, and managing emotions and feelings. But before we move on, we must address the elephant in the great room of early childhood education. And that elephant is called control. Quick show of hands. Who in here has control issues? No one? Just me with my hand up? Cool. Then the rest of this will be a breeze for you. Embracing, acknowledging, and explaining your emotions for the express purpose of teaching them to children means giving up some of your control. No. This does not mean you get to stomp your feet and scream when something doesn't go your way. (laughs) Except, well, it actually can mean exactly that. How do kids know it's okay to be frustrated when something sucky happens? Well, we show them. Recognizing and naming emotions, we want to allow children and ourselves to experience different emotions. When we don't allow children to experience big emotions, it can lead to them being unsure of what they're feeling, or even ashamed of how they feel and act, tying it back up to that 
point about connection that we made a little earlier. And when children begin to understand what emotions are and what they mean, they're better able to identify what they are feeling and begin to express that in a safe and developmentally appropriate manner and to practice empathy. So how do we team when we recognize and name emotions? Well, first, we name, acknowledge, and explain our own emotions, feelings, and actions. So going back up there when I talked about you don't get to stomp your feet and scream when something goes wrong, except for you kind of do. Here's a perfect way to do that. I'm building blocks with kids and my tower falls over. And I might say, oh man, that is so frustrating. I worked so hard on that tower and now it's destroyed. (sighs) Or maybe... I did not sleep well last night. I'm feeling very slow and cranky today. Or my best friend is coming to see me this weekend and I am so excited to see her. And then we have to name, acknowledge, and explain children's actions. Okay, only what we see and hear. And then ask them to label the emotion. Ben, your face is red. You are yelling and crying. Are you feeling sad? Anna, your hands are clenched like this and your face is scrunched up and red. You look angry. Are you angry? Rachel, you're smiling and laughing. Are you feeling happy? So another way that we team when we recognize and name emotions is we work to give up control when it's safe and appropriate. Children are going to feel all the feelings every day. Let them. Don't rush to move them away from a feeling. Let them sit with their emotions and feelings. Just don't let them live in them. Okay? And we want to give a name to what we see they might be feeling without judgment or shame. I know it is very tempting when you see a child upset and sad. Oh, it's okay. No, don't be sad. Here, here's a tissue. But guess what? We got to get that stuff out. Some concrete things that you can do in your program or your home are to have emotions boards and books. And, um, side note, we will have some examples of these in the show notes. So providing children with concrete visual representations of what an emotion looks like helps them begin to build a connection between the name of the emotion and what they're feeling. Children Children are visual learners. It's most effective to use real pictures and or pictures of the children in your program when representing emotions. And it's totally cool to take pictures of children experiencing actual emotions. Please don't pinch a child to make them cry so you can take a picture of that. That's not okay. But when a child is actually feeling an emotion, snap a picture of them. And then later on, you can post it on the emotions board. You could create a book of all the emotions that your children are feeling in the classroom. Use it as an opportunity to teach and acknowledge and model going forward. When children see their own and peers' faces representing emotions, their brain like makes this connection that says, Oh, <laughs> I can do that. That's what happy looks like. That Oh, Sarah, she looks happy. Okay, I get it. And also remember that sad, mad, happy, tired are not the only emotions out there. Okay? You can add and use any number of emotions to your emotions board or to the books that you choose to introduce. 
but you have to be able to clearly communicate them through discussion and pictures so that children begin to understand what those emotions mean. Once we help children recognize and name their emotions and actions, the next step is to teach them how to express them in a safe way. So let's talk about managing our emotions, that sitting with our feelings, but not living in them. So how do we use that team approach, the teach, embrace, acknowledge model when managing emotion? We name, acknowledge, and explain our own emotions, feelings, and actions. That example of I'm building blocks with kids, my tower falls over, and I say, oh man, that is so frustrating. I worked so hard on that tower. Now it's destroyed. So I might cross my arms and sulk for a second, see what the kids do. They might offer to help you rebuild it or tell you that it's okay, don't worry. And if they don't offer any suggestions or comfort, I could ask them, what do you think I should do now? And then we also name, acknowledge, and explain children's actions. So again, going up to that example from above, when I said, Anna, your hands are clenched and your face is scrunched up and red. You look angry. Are you angry? So while I'm saying that, I'm clenching my fist and I'm scrunching up my face. And I'm guessing that you can tell the difference in my voice as you're listening. Right? You want to be a little over the top with it so they can really see what you're talking about. And then I can say, it's okay to be angry. I get angry too. How can I help you regulate? Okay? Also, a really cool thing to have during this time are mirrors. If you have ever watched a child experience emotions in front of a mirror, oh, chef's kiss. It's amazing. So how else do we help children manage emotions by teaming? Well, we work to give up control when it is safe and appropriate. Maybe you've heard this somewhere before. I don't know, like five minutes ago or something. Children are going to feel all the feelings every day. Let them. Don't rush them. Don't move them away from the feeling. Let them sit with their emotions and their feelings. Maybe I need to sit with my emotions and feelings about that for a second. Okay, I'm good now. But if we want to manage the feeling, we have to know what it feels like. So if I'm rushing you out of what sad feels like, or I'm rushing you away from angry, the next time you feel that, If I haven't given you the opportunity to sit with it and feel what it feels like, then how can I expect you to acknowledge and embrace it so that you can learn how to manage it? So for some children, the simple act of acknowledging how they feel, putting words to it, offering a solution or a release from the big emotion, that's all they need. For other kids, asking them to calm down and talk about it before they are ready will likely result in the emotions to become bigger and their actions to become more unsafe. Kind of like a caged animal. It's important that you give them the time and space to regulate or take a break, but stay near them to ensure their safety and everyone else's. And then once they're calm on their timeline, talk about it. You know, above when I said, it's okay to be angry, Anna, I get angry too. How can I help you regulate? Well, let's talk about some ways we can help with that. Young children use their senses, you know, sight, hearing, touch, smell, taste, to learn about the world around them. And some of the best ways to dampen that stress response is through touch and movement and breath. So this might look like having some materials in your program or your home like squeezy balls 
loofah puffs, baby dolls, sensory bottles, weighted animals, stretchy dough, things to smell, different textures or fabrics, pictures of their loved ones, liquid or sand hourglass timers, etc. Anything that helps them engage their senses, that helps me to manage emotion. If I'm so angry that I'm going to just punch something, then I'm going to take a squeezy ball and I'm going to squeeze that ball and get all the anger out. Or maybe it helps me to take a deep breath. And maybe when I take that deep breath, I love the smell of lavender or orange. So my teacher has some smelly stuff over in the safe space, which is our next piece here. Safe space. So some people call it a calming corner, a cozy corner, a chill out corner, an emotions corner. I don't care what you call it. Just please have one. A safe space provides children a designated space where they can safely explore their emotions and feelings that is comfortable, inviting, big enough for one child, relatively easily supervised by any adult in the room. When you're creating and introducing that safe space, it's really important that you're talking with the kids about it before they need to use it. Let them know what it's for. Show them how to use it. Do it during a group time. Do it during a morning meeting. Do it during morning free play. Set a timer. Let everybody have a turn with their feelings and their emotions in the safe space. And a safe space could also be a child's cubby or a soft pillow in a quiet corner of the room. It can look like whatever it needs to look like as long as it works for that child. The safe space is only used for the purpose of calming at the child's choice. This area is not to be used as a punishment for time out or as a way to keep a child contained. It's helping them learn how to take a break, right? And taking a break can be a very powerful replacement strategy for children to learn when they're feeling big emotions. And when I say take a break, this does not mean time out. Time out is sending a child to sit alone and think about what they've done. It is not a developmentally appropriate discipline strategy for children under the age of five. It is punishment. And the safe space is not for punishment. It is to help them calm. But here's the thing. You have to go with them. When you see a child is experiencing big emotions and you feel like the safe space might be a helpful solution, do not send them or require them to go calm your body. That doesn't sound very calming, but go with them. Offer it as a solution. Look, if they already knew how to calm their body and use the safe space, they would. And guess what? They will. The more you model and teach and acknowledge and embrace the use of that safe space, the more that they will use it on their own. Okay. Big, deep breath. We made it. That was a lot, but I promise it will be worth it. Just remember our deal to team our emotions and feelings for our kids and for ourselves. Be sure to check out the infographic for this episode in the show notes. 
If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail or tag us on Instagram at kidsthesedayspod. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time on Kids These Days. Music track, Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes and Rudy Benavides. Infographics by Rudy Benavides. Kids These Days is made possible through grant funding provided by the Kansas Department for Children and Families.